In my previous episode called You Are the Answer, I talked about the results on my business that my sabbatical had, namely all the changes I made before taking time off, new website, brand, new systems, and how they initially negatively affected my business. I think this is partly because it was too much change all at once. Now the changes are making a positive impact on my business and the results we track weekly, but it seemed pretty dire at the time. Then I realized that this happened in my personal life too, with the complete 180 degree flip that I've made since April. So as we round out season two, which has been all about business freedom, I want to tell you that business is one thing, but massive life changes are something else. As Shana Aborn said in her article, Coping with Life Changes, I quote, For many of us, disruption to familiar routine sparks anything from mild anxiety to extreme terror. Maybe something's been pushed on us, like being downsized or getting sick. Just as likely, we've made a risky but necessary choice, like relocating to a new town or having our elderly parents move in with us. Shift happens, like it or not, that's part of the human adventure then why do we resist so much? It's partly a natural fear of the unfamiliar. People think of change as something dangerous. But it helps to remember all the ways your life has been altered in the past and realize that not only did you not kill over and die, things often turned out for the better. End of quote. Now, I've never been afraid of change. I've always welcomed it with open arms. The very nature of how I've lived my life for the last seven years is testament to that fact. Changing locations every couple of weeks has meant a constant barrage of change. New surroundings, often a new language, new people to meet and things to learn all the time. And this is something that many people find daunting, but I really love, or did, until that time that I felt like slowing down a little, having a base I can call my own, and being surrounded by more nature and less fast-paced city life. But the changes I made come April 5th, when Josh and I flew back from Bali to move into our new property, a huge house with two and a half acres of land, have actually thrown me completely. It was too much change, too fast, and I completely underestimated this. Now, while my friends and community were quick to point out that it was a massive shift in how I live my life, and that it must be quite the shock, I saw it as exciting. But let's put it in perspective. I went from constant full-time travel out of my suitcase to living in one house with no international travel for the first three months here. I went from being single in December to a loving full-time relationship and moving in together in my apartment for a few months to then buying a house together, creating joint bank accounts and taking on this beautiful property, which is Josh's first ever property ownership. I went from zero responsibility to this mortgage, getting a puppy a week after moving in and five chickens the week after that. From owning so little stuff to having to furnish a 369 square meter house, aka big, with four bedrooms and two living rooms in just a few weeks. By the way, people who visit us now say it looks like we've lived here for years. I went from a full-on business period getting it ready for my sabbatical and writing the Freedom Plan book manuscript, which I finished on March 30th, to no business and no work. And I went from eternal summers traveling the world to my first ever autumn, fall for those of you in the Northern Hemisphere, and winter. And that was probably the biggest kicker. I hate being cold. So with all of that in mind, no wonder that I've had moments of doubt and even mild depression, I guess it could be, or more rather 
feeling simply lost. I had literally taken everything that is my identity, like travel, my suitcase entrepreneur brand, the business and singledom, and thrown it out the window. Too much change all at once. It didn't hit me straight away, but I can definitely see the path now and why even just a few weeks ago, I was still feeling demotivated and lost. The initial three to four weeks were pure excitement due to what I term project setup house, which involved constant daily checking of trademe.co.nz, which is like eBay and Gumtree, and winning auctions or buying new and used furniture. And I was shopping for house stuff and then going to collect it via trucks that we hired, doing it DIY style, which was super fun, by the way, but a lot of organization and effort. And then it became settling in and a few ongoing projects and trips to get other things we needed, like bins and domestic bliss items, as I call them, that you just don't realize you need until you've been living in a house for a while. Once again, haven't been doing that for seven years. Next up, we collected Kayla, our adorable white German shepherd, eight-week-old puppy within just one week of moving in. And to be honest, I had no idea how much energy a puppy has and how much attention and training you need to do with them and how you need to train yourself. It was constant supervision and learning, coupled with lots of beautiful moments, followed by pain, bites, scratching, peeing, pooping, and me yelling or losing the plot, which I'm not particularly proud of. But now I know how it feels to have a low-maintenance kid over an intense period. For all you parents out there, I've always said hats off to you because I don't know how you do it. Yes, It felt like having a kid, but luckily you can put them in their happy place, aka their crate, when you need some time out. That was my other problem. I spent too much time with Kayla, wanting to be the best puppy mum and learning as much as I could through books and videos about her training. And I didn't give myself time out. I appreciate I was on a three-month sabbatical, but I didn't take time out for me. I became rather isolated in our home. Uh, which is kind of in a lifestyle area, so it's not in the city. And as Josh's business schedule turned into a full-on one that saw him leaving the house at 6.45 a.m. on the train and getting back after 7, I was just here. And for a social butterfly like me, I severely underestimated how much human connection I crave and require to feel motivated, valuable, and helpful. Not having the workload from my business was pure bliss, but at the same time, quite a transition as it's all I know. And to not have to worry about it suddenly meant I threw myself into online learning and taking a number of interesting and varied courses on areas I didn't know much about. I also had to train myself not to watch, monitor, and get caught up in what other online business peeps were doing, hence the previous episode about not playing the comparison game, but instead being your own number one fan and believing in your abilities. By the way, I'll link to that here and you can find this episode at nataliesisson.com forward slash 14. That's one four. At one point, I was raring to dive into something new and start a fresh business project, but I restrained myself. Very proud about that. As I knew that at that stage, I didn't have enough energy yet for that. And it also wasn't the solution I was after. I just need to be and stop doing. Which brings me to a conversation I had last week with my dear friend Gideon Shelwick, who himself has gone through many reinventions over the last four years from personal brand and video expert, as you might remember him, to actually starting a new video software business and more. And he's been digging into and learning a lot about the universal cycles of change via Tim and Chris Helbom over at The Wealthy Mind. And I've linked to those in the episode notes. 
I had never heard about it. So before I share our snippet of conversation, I wanted to give you and I some background on it because it's juicy stuff and it's important. According to the Academy of Leadership Coaching and NLP, there are seven change patterns that govern our lives. In a business context, leaders who are able to embrace this cycle often emerge stronger and more emotionally aware and understand how to best support themselves and their team members through change. So let's go through them. Number one is creation. The word creation evokes pictures of new beginnings. It's the beginning of a new life event, the starting point that typically begins with an idea or an action. This could be the start of a new business or a new stage of leadership development. Creation marks the point where we begin our journey. It is an X marks the spot kind of moment. And once we move from that location, a new journey starts. Two, it's growth. From the moment creation begins, we start to grow. We develop and become self-organizing. This means that once the creation takes place, the new patterns of behavior start to develop and the system organizes itself around the original creation. For example, once a new business is launched, the business owner needs to start making plans. This could be product development, marketing plans, new clients, and gaining new staff. The business has taken its shape as a business. It was created, and now it is starting to grow. Three, steady state. A steady state is a place of great comfort. It has passed the point of creation and gone through the pains of growth to a place of what feels like you have arrived. It's a place where all systems are go and are firing correctly. Everything is moving forward as planned and everyone is in their sweet spot. It's a position to which most leaders aspire and if leaders are not careful, it can also become a point of complacency, which will inevitably lead to the next phase in the cycle. And I just want to jump in here because I'm pretty sure I was in stage three the steady state. Everything points to that being where I was at. So the next cycle is four, turbulence. (laughs) I've heard it said that we're either in a crisis, coming out of a crisis or heading back into a crisis. Turbulence occurs when the system becomes too complex or we become lax in our preparation and problems begin to develop. Times of turbulence can be viewed in two ways depending on the maturity of the leader. They can be used as a warning sign to right the ship and get back on track, or they can be ignored. Ignorance, however, often leads to chaos, which is number five. Chaos is when the system begins to fall apart. It is past the point of the bumps and jolts of turbulence to a full blow and tailspin. Makes me think of Top Gun. Love that movie. It is the time when leaders need to take control before something catastrophic happens. And then six is dropping off. Dropping off is the point of acceptance for many leaders. It's often the lowest point in the cycle of change, the point when an individual has no other recourse but to let go and move on. It could be closing a door on a failed business and moving elsewhere or getting rid of a caustic employee. It can be painful, but also should be viewed as an important turning point in the cycle. It is the point when a leader takes control. In order to move forward through a difficult life challenge, we often need to let go of a limiting belief, a dysfunctional relationship, change, a behavior, or reorganize how we view the world. This allows us to make the space to create something wonderfully new. And then seven is meditation and dormancy. Meditation and inward silence, dormancy, are the final point in the universal cycles of change. Just as a tree stands without leaves in the brisk, cold winter, leaders need to be like the tree, standing in the moment and accepting who they are and where they have been placed. It might be uncomfortable for a while, but meditating in inward silence can be very healing and ultimately can set the tone for a new universal cycle of change, creativity and growth. 
And reading this and learning about this, I think I skipped over chaos and turbulence, like I could see it coming, and I skipped over it to get to meditation and dormancy where I could just take my business sabbatical and reflect. So now that you have that context, let's pick up with Gideon and I. I'm so glad that you took that sabbatical because it's so important that you go through those last two stages of the, the droppings off or the shedding where you let go of something, you prune something off, and then you just have a break. If you jump straight from the chaos stage to a new creative cycle, you end up taking that baggage with you and you don't rest. You're just depleting your tank more and more and more. And so you, you might get a bit of energy from this new creative process, but if you didn't deal with that previous cycle properly, I think it holds you back on the next cycle. It's so true. Because I yes. think where I've so tried to step back a little before and take a small break, it helps you for a little. And there've been times when you've been excited by say, maybe another business idea, but I'm really proud of myself because I have had that and I've looked at it and gone, is it just exciting because it's totally new and therefore it gives me energy right now. But what about coming back to what I've got and getting re-energized about the stuff that I know I love and I'm good at. And that's where I think I've got to on this stage now, but I needed yeah. that break and then I need to come yeah. back with a new perspective and go, you're not throwing all that hard work away and all that credibility and all the things you built up, just come at it from a fresh perspective and improve upon the bits that you really believe in and you think, are amazing. And that's why with the freedom plan, I have this whole new perspective about it and want to have this freedom tracker and some apps and make it world-class. And that is new to me because that's not the suitcase entrepreneur. That's my core offering, right? Like that's my thing. It's yeah. all about freedom. So that's yes. where I came to in this sort of circle, as you said. Yeah. When you understand that cycle and that each stage is really important, it gives you perspective, but also patience because for this latest cycle that I went through, I realized that I was actually in the rest phase and, mm. and previously I would try and rush it. You know what? Screw it. I'm not going to push anything. I'm just going to mm. sit back and I don't care what happens. I'm going to let the universe show me what is the next step. So when have you found yourself rushing into the next thing because it feels energizing only to realize after a few months, your energy is depleted again and your motivation is waning. As Gideon points out, that's because you haven't really dealt with the shit that was holding you back or troubling you before. You've just transferred your attention onto the next bright, shiny object. So back to my story. I had a beautiful period during my sabbatical where the weather was amazing, where I could finally take Kayla out into the public post her vaccinations, and we started discovering these beautiful nature bushwalks just down the road. I was also loving the house more and more, as well as pottering in the garden and being outside, and I was becoming truly grateful for this amazing location and Josh and I's joint vision for what it could become. I had made some new friends, some local friends. I had new friends I'd made starting to come over each Tuesday for co-working sessions, and things were feeling good. But then somewhere along the way, things shifted, probably at about two months in. Josh wasn't here at all during the weekdays. Our workouts and our CrossFit barn gym had stopped, the weather was getting colder, and the novelty of this new life started wearing off. I'd scanned my Instagram and Facebook feed to see the beautiful photos and videos of friends and exotic locations, and for the first time ever, I could see how my life used to look to others. Damn, it looked amazing. The odd thing was, I didn't want to be there with them, but I did want the feeling of what they were experiencing. And I missed Portugal, as I would have been there in my three-bedroom townhouse and learning to surf if we hadn't bought here. So, how did I get myself out of this funk of too much change? Well, it took some work. It helped that my Science of Happiness course was taking me through the stages of empathy, kindness, compassion, and mindfulness. 
So I was practicing that. I talked it through with friends. I read up a little on it. And mostly I stepped back to see what was really going on to change how I was feeling. In Shana's article, she shared this advice, and I hope it's valuable for you if you're going through change as well. Quote, Fighting what's happening just leads to frustration and keeps you from growing to your full potential. When you try to put your life in a box and keep it the same all the time, you're making something dead out of it. Welcoming new things can even be good for your health. People who greet what life offers with curiosity have stronger immune systems and live longer. The first step is realizing that even though you can't control what pops up in your life, you can alter how you react. When change happens, say yes, learn and grow from it. Taking a live-in-the-moment attitude will help keep you from miring yourself in what-ifs and should-haves. And the most important thing to remember, though, is that you already have the inner resources to make the most out of anything that comes your way. Bring out your natural resiliency by taking a look at how you can deal with six of life's most common upheavals. End quote. How I handled it was slightly different. I pretty much never get down or depressed, but after too many weeks of waking up and feeling lost, unmotivated and down, Josh and I had a heart to heart. And I've come up with these areas that I think were what changed it for me. One, focus on quality time. We both agreed to make more time for each other. Josh said that he would get some more time off teaching in his business and start taking a few more days off and that we'd have more quality time together over like long weekends. As an entrepreneur, I appreciate some periods in your life are just going to be crazy and full on, and you need to show up to them 100%. And Josh is going through one of those periods. But I could also see how it was draining him, and therefore me, even though we were supportive of each other. Once we acknowledged that, things became a lot better instantly, and we felt so much more connected, and the time out has been fabulous. Two, make time for you. I started putting Kayla into dog daycare like once a week. I think she's been in four times total now since I've had her. And heading into town, that's Wellington, to co-work in the city, meet with friends and entrepreneurs and just enjoy the city vibe. And I also started meeting more people in the local area we live, making friends and going for dog walks together, having them over to visit or visiting them and making time for lunches and meetups. And that just feeds my soul. Three, wallow where necessary. That may sound odd, but too quickly we try to come up with solutions and find the answer. And I purposefully wallowed in how I was feeling, on the good moments and bad ones. And then I asked myself, how was I feeling? What did I think the cause was? And could I shift it with an attitude reset or a change in activity or scene? Practicing mindfulness like I discussed in Mind Your Mindfulness earlier episode really helped me to be aware and present and not listen to the voice inside my head that at the time was just not helpful at all. Four, embrace the seasons. I'm a summer baby, but this has been a particularly beautiful winter in New Zealand with more sunshine than ever. And we are also blessed to have two fantastic wood burners that just pelt out the heat. So I started to appreciate clear blue skies on these wintry days the sunshine, and the opportunity to rug up and go walking with my gorgeous puppy. I also got over my minimalist suitcase self and simply bought warmer clothes, which made me feel much better and more inclined to get out and about. I lit more fires, I drank more hot herbal teas, and I nourished myself with homemade soups. I started the 30-day yoga challenge with Adrienne. Oh, I can't recommend her free YouTube channel enough. She's an angel. If you come across to nataliesisson.com, forward slash 14. I've linked to all these awesome things in this episode show notes. 
I notice the effects of yoga on my body and mind very quickly, and I feel amazing when I'm doing it. So that's like an instant solution for me. The seasons are here for a reason. As I read in Elizabeth Peru's Global Energy Report, if you're into that kind of thing, I'm experimenting with reading it daily and taking what I need from it. Winter is the time for focus project work and doing. Spring is time for launching, and summer is the time to take off and enjoy the fruits of your labor. So I'm focusing my efforts on upgrading and transforming my content, my Freedom Plan program, and my offerings. Five, learn, grow, and relearn. This is the last one. Yeah. A lot of the stories that were circulating in my head simply needed to be replaced with better ones. I needed to take control of my own attitude and focus on what I wanted. Even when I got sick, and I never get sick, and was feeling less than sure on what the heck I was doing, I knew that it was up to me to choose what I wanted to happen. And for me, that meant reading inspiring books, both novels and business related, learning new things from those online courses, meeting new people and getting involved, like running a pop-up co-working trial in Upper Hutt to connect with more entrepreneurs and making the news. I coupled this with relearning. A big part of my sabbatical was to get a fresh perspective, and I've since fallen back in love with the foundations of why I started my business and what made it successful in the first place. I've been conducting interviews with Freedom Plan alumni members and getting jazzed at making it a world-class experience when I relaunch it in spring. I've been doing interviews for podcasts and sharing my story and this new story of this life that I'm living, and it's been super cathartic for me and great for the interviewers who've loved hearing the rawness of it. I've taken opportunities I'd been saying no to on my sabbatical, and they'd re-energized me and fed my soul. It led me to being on stage with Roger Hamilton at Fast Forward Your Business the day I was officially back in business and getting interviewed by NBR, National Business Review, this week. And while in Melbourne, Josh and I did our three-year life plan together, which was huge because I finally had the clarity and energy to know what I want out of life, business and love by July 2020. So those are my five major takeaways on my quest for freedom for now. And it seems a solid place to round out season two before embarking on next season, where I'm going to head into the realm of self-learning and mastery. Never lose sight of the ability to design your freedom lifestyle around what you most want. And remember, sometimes too much change is dangerous. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed season two. I welcome your feedback. I'd love a review or feedback in iTunes and Stitcher. It really makes my day when I'm able to read those. So please hop over and do that. And remember nataliesisson.com forward slash 14 to find all the goodness that was included in this episode. And now I'd love to take a moment to shout out to my awesome sponsor. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. And it's sexy. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. Here are just a few of the ones Jessica Broom, entrepreneur and FreshBook customer, loves the most. I do all my expenses in there. I have, you know, I use the app on my phone and I have a little ritual. Like every time I get on a plane, I'll take the, while I'm waiting for the plane to take off, I will 
do all my expenses from that day with all my receipts from the airport or whatever. I like that I'm able to do expenses in all different currencies and like instantly on my phone. So I never have that like get back from a trip and have, you know, seven days of receipts build up. I think the time tracking is great sometimes, you know, rarely, but occasionally I will bill hourly and I like being able to just track my time like to the minute and then have it convert right into an invoice. That's super cool. Yeah, I really love that. So your clients always know you're being truly legit with what you've done. Truly honest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go to freshbooks.com forward slash quest and check out their full list of amazing features. Then sign up and save yourself time and money today. Just enter quest for freedom where it says, how did you hear about us? I'd really appreciate it. And so would they.